Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we're on Lesson 6 now lesson of six. our Message of Hebrews quarter. And I can't think, we were talking about this in the in the, our preliminary discussions about whether or not you're a fan of how the lesson is laid out or not. The content of the book of Hebrews is such a powerful yes. study. The themes and, and the pointing to Christ and the... The, the, you can just really dig in deeply. And well, I'm we've talked about, about the fact that Hebrews is the only book in Scripture, you could argue it for a revelation, but nothing really gives as clear a description and doctrine of Christ's priestly ministry like mm-hmm. the book of Hebrews does. And it's not just the form, but why he's there and how long, like, yes. all aspects of it. So we're going to dive into a lot of those things in this lesson this week called, titled Jesus, well, the Faithful Priest. Yes. And you put together the talking points for it. Did you have some little com- introductory pray. comments? We should probably okay, pray. Okay, why don't you pray? Our... Okay, go ahead. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for this message in the book of Hebrews from the Apostle Paul. We ask that you would guide us through your Holy Spirit to an understanding, not just a theoretical, but a practical understanding in your truth, especially for these last days, where we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look like you had a thought in your yeah, mind. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's ironic. This chapter is called Jesus, the Faithful Priest. And we've mm-hmm. already, in previous Talking Points lessons, pointed out that from our understanding, the whole book of Hebrews is about Jesus' priestly ministry. And so the quarterly started out with the kingly ministry of Jesus, and that's fine. There's some nuances there. But it seems to be that the whole argument of Hebrews is, you know, the first seven chapters are laying the groundwork for why Jesus is qualified so that in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul can say, this is the sum of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest. And then he begins to describe the work of the high priest, how Christ's work uh, is a compare and he compares and contrasts with that of the earthly sanctuary and what happened. Well, I kind of offhandedly mentioned a couple of weeks back, I think, about how, like, you know, chapter 2 has therefore, chapter 3 has therefore. But if you look at it closely, of course, the introduction to chapter 1, chapter 2 starts with therefore, chapter 3 starts with therefore, chapter yes. 4 starts with therefore, chapter 5 mixes up and just has 4. four. Yeah. Then we go back to the therefore, 6, 4 and 7 leading up to 8. So it's it's really difficult to parse out one of these as being distinct from that thread. That's right. In fact, that comes into play in this week's lesson. So this week's lesson, uh, according to Sabbath afternoon, last sentence says, This week we will focus specifically on Hebrews 5, 1 to 10, and Hebrews 7, 1 to 28. Now, I kind of get why they're doing that, but I feel a little bit, at least in preparation, I didn't like dropping out chapter 6. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a chapter in between, and especially... You know, you take a book like Isaiah, and you've got, you know, different prophecies, and and they'll start and end, and they're different compartmentalized. But in Hebrews, it's a consistent, just as you brought out, he's building a case. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to necessarily drop. So we're going to pull a little bit of six in. Well, the good thing is, exactly, the good news is, having studied ahead, I know that... uh, Lesson 7 covers chapter 6. Yes. And so while you're looking at 5 and 7, and I think, again, what I've seen is we're going to see, not not to foreshadow too much of next week, but that there's a comparing of two other things that they're thematically trying to or topically build. This section goes with this section. We'll put them over here. And you can do that. So I'm not against... Except lesson 7 covers most of chapter 6, but there's a piece that it doesn't cover as much as we're going to cover today. Regardless, let's talk about what we're We're covering today. Okay. So, uh, in that section of Hebrews between 5 and 7, three talking points. Number one, Jesus knows how to deliver us. I've drawn that from Sunday Mm -hmm. and Thursday's lessons. Number two, the goal of Christ's priesthood is our perfection, just so (laughs) you can have something contentious. Something light, exactly. Something light to touch on this week. 
Number three, Jesus will finish what he started, which... Amen. I feel like we've touched on that before. I know we've touched on it, at least in sub-points, if not the main talking point, but that's just Jesus. He okay, finishes but also, what he starts. To this point, it's like, where do we get this idea you can only say something once? You look at the book of Hebrews, how many times do you talk about Christ and his humanity and right. his... Anyway, right. don't worry Fair about that. Fair enough. So, let's dive into these talking points, okay. shall we? Jesus knows how to deliver us. Now, if we go to chapter 5, back to your point again, it starts with the word for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, our lesson takes us... Uh, beginning in chapter 5 on Sunday, 5, 1 through 10. But 5 says, for every high priest taken among men. So Paul actually begins his case in chapter 4, verse 14, which mm-hmm. still is a conclusion, which you'll see. Exactly. At least so starts the case So why don't you there. read chapter 4, verses 14 through chapter 5, verse 2. Okay. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. So you're saying there's a connective oh, dot mercy. between the weakness of five and the weakness of I just, uh, four there. there. Yeah. This is a repetitive theme that we're finding in Hebrews. Now, if you go back to chapter 2, and, and we looked in chapter 2, the apostle presents how Christ took our humanity. And in mm-hmm. verse 17, he says, Therefore, in fact, verse 16, Indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Chapter 3 and 4 mostly is a parenthetical thought mm. that he picks up on, uh, on again, almost made a new word there, mm-hmm. in verse 15, you know, verse 14, seeing then, he's coming back, back to this high priest, such a high who, priest can sympathize. who can sympathize, yeah. And then he concludes in verse 16 by saying, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I just want to emphasize something we've said before, that Hebrews deals primarily with Christian sanctification. Mm. Uh, It just, if whoever wants to argue it, it's just his consistent point, like finding... We can talk about coming to the throne of grace for justification. Mm-hmm. We're not negating justification, but Paul's point... Go ahead. Where did we get the idea that speaking of sanctification... Like, where do we get the idea that sanctification is somehow at war with justification? That we have to choose one side or the other? Like, either the pro-justification... or so, Like, to talk about how the Bible strongly, especially here in Hebrews, speaks to the capacity of Christ in our sanctification. Yeah. That there's like, are you saying you don't need... Ju- Never said that at all. They're not. They're not in opposition. They're not in. They're not in tension. Well, these two ideas. In, in the 1980s, in a big controversy in our church, one of, the leader of that controversy came out with this idea that justification is the gospel. Mm. Period. Sanctification is not part of the gospel. And so when you talk about sanctification, it's like, hold on a minute, because so you're going to. It implies that you're at well, some and, beef with. And what's interesting yeah. is the implication is. And some of our viewers may even resonate with this, is that when you talk about sanctification, it makes people feel uneasy. 
And, you know, there's a level of reality to that when you realize that God expects us to be more than we are. <laughs> but that's what drives us to Christ. And anyway, Paul's point is very much so in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. Why am I going to the throne of grace? To find help mm-hmm. in time of need. He's talking about those times when we're living out our Christian life where we mm-hmm. need practical right now help in daily living. Not Justification is the work of a moment. It's the work of an instant. This mm-hmm. is not talking about justification. Right. It keeps going back to Christ can be that Jesus, sympathizer because he's been right. there. Jesus doesn't it. need to be the sympathizer for justification. Right. Jesus doesn't need to have been where I am for justification. That all relates to the fact that when I'm struggling with something, I can know that Jesus knows what it's like. Touched with our feelings. And, you know, sympathizer. Yeah, weaknesses. Yeah. Yes. So this whole swath of passage here from from you know starting in chapter four and then coming into chapter five we read through verse two talks about how jesus can relate to where we are in temptation and Mm -hmm. in weaknesses it goes on to say in verse um and this is discussed in the lesson quite a bit that uh verse seven talks about how he offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear though he was a son Yet he learned obedience by the things which he Mm. suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God. So there's so much in there. The point that Paul's making in that same line of thought is that the the vehement cries and tears, the strong cries and tears, is just saying it wasn't an act. He actually experienced struggles because... He took our sin upon himself. And, of course, as we're going to go on, and Paul makes very clear in the Hebrews, he never succumbed to that, but he can sympathize with their weaknesses. That's the point he's been making. And it's interesting that in verse 8 it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered, and having been perfected. So, in the context right there, verses 8 and 9, mm-hmm. that being perfected... experience of knowing what it's like to feel tempted yet remain faithful, yes. he built a character that is To come is off perfect. as obedient. Right. And so... N- notice it says, he became the author of eternal salvation. Right. In other words, Paul ties it. Now, we can argue it, but scripture, what Scripture tells us here, mm-hmm. and not my opinion, is that it was this experience of Christ in learning obedience. And, you know, the lesson brings up a good point that... Uh, in fact, if you look at Sunday's lesson, paragraph four, it's about halfway through. Yeah, obedience was new to Jesus. Yeah. yeah, obedience was new to Jesus, not because he was disobedient, but because he was God. As sovereign over the universe, Jesus did not obey anyone. Instead, everyone obeyed him. Right. As sovereign, you don't need to obey. Right. And so the only context that this can make sense in is the context of Jesus, context of Jesus' humanity. And the point Paul's making is the reason he took humanity... The reason he experienced what we experienced, the reason he had the strong crying and tears and learned obedience was from that perspective of humanity that he might know how to give right. help to those who go through those same experiences. Exactly. And interestingly enough, you look at the word obedience, it appears twice in 8 and 9, right? First, as it applies to Jesus, though he's a son, yet he learned obedience Right? And then you go to verse 9, how he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. That's right. So Christ obeyed the Father and modeled out for us, and then he can turn around and say, now let me, since I've been That's in exactly this pit, right. show you how to get out too. So the, again, back to that sanctification idea, the goal isn't just, just 
somehow to generically place faith in him or some platitude. It's like the practical help in daily living so you can overcome. Anyway, that's right. And so I have in the notes that he learned obedience for the express purpose of helping to teach us how to obey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ellen White makes a great comment. Why don't you read that from the book Confrontation, page 50. Christ was our example in all things. As we see his humiliation in the long trial and fast to overcome the temptation of appetite in our behalf, we are to learn how to overcome when we are tempted. So just pointing to that idea. And again, the talking point there is Jesus knows how to deliver us. Um, He knows by experience. That's the point that Paul's making here, which qualifies him to be our high priest. Jesus uh, overcame, I have this in our notes, so we could overcome. Now, another piece that's essential to this is, we already read it in chapter 4, verse 15, he overcame, he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. And we discussed this before, the the lesson uh, on Thursday goes into Hebrews chapter 7, where it talks about Jesus um, taking a priest or being a priest after the order of Melchizedek, it's interesting that when you come to verse 26, in fact, Thursday's lesson asks this. It's all about verse 26. Actually, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I'm thinking of something else we're coming to. But it says in 26, For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. The whole, con- the whole point there, without going and reading, you know, the, the whole passage is saying this, is it's pointing to the fact that though Jesus took our fallen humanity, though Jesus was tempted in all points like as we mm-hmm. are, though he sympathizes with us in every aspect, yet he never yielded to sin. Yes. Without a t- he has without, he's without a taint of sin. Um, he, he, you know, he tempted in all points yet without sin, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners in the sense that he has nothing in common with the sinful, with the carnal mind. He doesn't, he doesn't, as much as Jesus loves the sinner, there's in no way does he participate in their sins. He doesn't sympathize with sin. He doesn't think like a sinner. He doesn't love the things. He doesn't have the desires of sinners. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the point it's making. And the reason Paul's making that point is that if you want to find help in a situation, do you want to go to the guy who can't ever get kicked the bad habit? Is that the guy who's like, well, he, su- he has the same weaknesses as I do. In fact, he always has the same. In fact, he never overcomes the same <laughs> weakness. Or do you want to go to the person who has shared those weaknesses but has found the way to overcome? Right. And that's where we find this tension between us. And, and let's be clear. Jesus, I want to be clear. Jesus didn't overcome sin. He didn't no, have no. sin. No. But he did overcome temptation. He overcame temptation. Let's be clear. So that's Which the is point. even it's better. Like somehow he could be Emmanuel, God with us, yes. yet at the same time be separate from sinners. So that separate from sinners, we discussed this earlier, is not a geographic separation. Like, oh, I can't be around them because I'm going to get some of that on right. me. He had no problem diving right, right into our circumstance, but at the same time remaining undefiled because yes. he never participated. He could be separate in that sense. That's right. And thus it's fitting for us because somehow we need someone like Ford talks about, who can sympathize, yet it's fitting for us to have some who's undefiled, holy, harmless, separate. We need a Christ who has been there but not done that. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And Christ is uniquely suited in all the universe to be the priest we need. And that's the yeah, whole point of this can, lesson. That's why he can help us in time of need. Like he's the only one he's that it. is tempted in every way and yet nothing touches him. He's able to Beautiful. Uh, aid those who are tempted. In fact, uh, third selected message is 136. I have this in our notes. Uh, paragraph 3 says, Christ overcame the temptations of Satan as a man. 
every man may overcome as Christ overcame. He humbled himself for us. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He redeemed Adam's disgraceful failure and fall and was conqueror, thus testifying to all the unfallen worlds and to fallen humanity that man could keep the commandments of God through the divine power granted to him of heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself for us, endured temptation for us, overcame in our behalf to show us how we may overcome. He has thus bound up his interest with humanity by the closest ties. He took humanity. Mm -hmm. He'll retain that humanity. And has given the positive assurance that we shall not be tempted above that we are able, for with the temptation he will make a way of escape. Mm. Powerful statement. That is powerful. There's a rich, yeah, there's a rich discussion we have there, but we do need to move on. With well, the time to and other this points. is all in the same theme. So he, you know, point number one, he knows how to deliver us. Why is that important? Because that is the whole focus of his priestly ministry. Tuesday's lesson, in fact, talking point number two, the goal of Christ's priesthood is our perfection. We read in chapter five, it says again in verse eight, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected himself. This mm-hmm. is the content. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, if you go on and follow this thought, and I've got to look, just pulling out a few little things from the passage. Um, we told, I mentioned that Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the end of chapter 5, he talks about how the people should be further along in their Christian experience mm-hmm. and be able to learn more things, but they, they still need milk. Mm-hmm. But then he basically says, but you know what, I'm going to move on anyway. And that's what he says in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. So he's saying we need to start talking about the doctrine of perfection. Mm. We're getting away from the basic stuff. This is important stuff that you should have known by now. You don't know, but we're going to dive into it anyway. And notice some of the things that he brings up in that context. Um, Chapter 7, when he gets into chapter 7 and talks about the priesthood of Melchizedek and compares Mm -hmm. it with Christ, and contrasts that with the earthly priesthood, read chapter 7, verse 19 for us. Okay. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we... I'm sorry. What did I say? Verse... You said 719. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It's about the law made perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a hope of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Okay. And he's talking about the Levitical law and the law of sacrifice and offering. You see that again in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 9 says, it, speaking of the earthly system... Uh, the sacrificial system, was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him perfect who prefer, uh, make, sorry, make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Mm-hmm. And again, um, verse, uh, verse 14. Of and chapter 9. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or uh, spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay, so there it's talking about cleansing the conscience. Same idea you get in chapter 10. You go to chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of things, good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. 
for within and anyway, I don't want to get into the But the he point seems to be hung up on making people perfect. <laughs> the, yeah, and the point repeatedly is the earthly system and the earthly priesthood, this was the fault of it. It could not accomplish this purpose. So just by the you know, the nature of his argument itself, the difference in Jesus' ministry is that He can he can do that. <laughs> yeah. And that was his whole point of his ministry. And Tuesday's lesson kind of highlights that if you look at um, Tuesday paragraph three. Mm-hmm says, nor could the animal sacrifices cleanse the conscience of the sinner. Their purpose was to point forward to the ministry of Jesus and his sacrifice, which alone would provide true cleansing from sin. Anyway, that's just the general idea. And you get more in the lesson there, but the point is, it's called, Tuesday's lesson is an effective priest. Effective in the sense that Jesus could do what the other priests and symbols couldn't. and sacrifices, nothing else could do. It could make the worshipers perfect in regard to their conscience, cleanse them from sin, what have you, all of these expressions that mm-hmm. he uses in the book. Now, we're going to see more of this as we get deeper into Hebrews, because this is the bulk, the purpose, this the, is the goal main point of, the things of we Christ's are saying. ministry. Yeah. Okay? But we're going to drop that in there for now. The goal of Christ's priesthood is our perfection. And finally, Jesus will finish what he started. Now, the lesson on uh, Monday and Wednesday, look at this idea of Christ's being called according to the order of Melchizedek. And that's actually, um, in fact, why don't you read Hebrews Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6. I'll refer to the Psalms, but just for sake of time. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, and my Bible shows the reference there from Psalm 110, verse 4. Now, this Mm. is important. Melchizedek was the king of Salem who came out when Abraham had taken the spoils mm-hmm. from rescuing from, the, from Lot. Yep. Yeah. And he, the Bible says he gave a tenth he of that to, him, yeah. to this priest of Canaan, mm-hmm. a priest of, of God. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of detail on Melchizedek, just that he was the king of well, we know he, he, did, he did have that unique, I mean, the, what little we know is mm-hmm. significant. Now, maybe you're about to dive into this, but he was somehow the king yeah. of Salem, but he was also priest of God right. Most High. Abraham tithed to him. Right. There's Which, no mention of his genealogy. There's no record of his connection. Right. He just shows up. Right. And Paul, in the book of Hebrews here, takes that that symbol of Melchizedek, which was a real character, mm-hmm. and draws the spiritual application <laughs> to Christ in his ministry. Sorry. That's great. No, no, no. That's great. So why don't you read the last two paragraphs on Monday, which, which summer, in summary, say that basic thing. And this is a quote from Selected Messages, book one, uh, bef- right? No, Page no, no. Four, nine. Before that. The, both of those paragraphs. First oh, okay. the lesson and the quote. Okay. Instead, Hebrews uses the silence of scripture regarding Melchizedek's birth, death, and genealogy to build a typology or symbol for Jesus' priestly ministry and reveals that Jesus himself was eternal. In short, Melchizedek was a Canaanite king-priest who served as a type of Christ. So let's hit the pause button there. Right. The lesson touches on it, but and you've encountered, there are people I know, it's like, oh, Melchizedek was actually Jesus back then in the Old Testament. Oh, Melchizedek was the Holy Spirit back in the Old right. Testament. No, and, and I think the lesson makes the, the, the right observation here. Melchizedek, Paul builds on the absence of any genealogy. Well, Paul doesn't, because David brings it up in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a priest after the order of Melchizedek. But the point was, an earthly priest had to be of the tribe of Levi. We're going to see this repeated in Hebrews chapter Mm -hmm. 8. The Bible says if Jesus were on earth, he couldn't be a priest. So 
what's the precedent of him serving as a priest if he wasn't of the tribe of Levi of the lineage of Aaron and his sons? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a different order. So Paul establishes this typology to give the scriptural basis and for And interesting Christ. that scripture does that too because That's Melchizedek exactly right. shows up before there's a priesthood or a kingship. Right. Paul and, didn't invent this. It right. came from he's, the Psalms. So exactly. So it happened in history. It. Psalms applied it. And Paul says, look, the Lord has been revealing us to us because yes. you could have, well, you have to either be a priest or a king and somehow Christ is both in That's one right. and handily enough. There That's is right. the example of Melchizedek. Now read that quote from First Selected Messages. Yeah, Sister White writes, it was Christ that spoke through Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek was not Christ, but he was the voice of God in the world, the representative of the Father. And all through the generations of the past, Christ has spoken. Christ has led his people and has been the light of the world. Now, I know some people who've read that statement and said, oh, he was the representative of the Father, the voice of God in the world. That means he was the Holy Spirit. No, he was a no. priest. That's what, a, that by definition, is <laughs> the role of a used. priest. That's what it does, yeah. And so, anyway, some clarification. So, Melchizedek, Paul takes this typology, but then he builds on it. And when you look in chapter 7, the heart of what he's trying to get at, um, Wednesday's lesson actually starts out, by saying, read Hebrews 7.16, on what basis did Jesus become a priest? Why don't you read verse uh, 16 of chapter 7? It says, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Okay, so then the lesson builds on the idea, we'll read it in just a second, of this endless life. But because there's no record of Melchizedek's genealogy, there's no yeah. record of his death. He's able to say, he like had an, Melchizedek. Yeah. We don't have that for Jesus, and there's a reason for that. He has he's of a different nature. Life. Yeah. And his point, his whole point, if you continue reading in chapter 7, is, which is fascinating, is um, he says, verse... Talks about Jesus being made a mediator of a better covenant. And then uh, verse 27, "...who does not need daily as those priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then the people." For he uh, did this once for all, for the law appoints his high priest man of weakness. That's not where I was looking for. Um, well, I think you were looking earlier, verse 23. Also, there I were was, many just, priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Yes. But he, speaking of Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, yeah. he is also able to save to the uttermost those that come to God. So the idea of his, I mean, I don't want to run over where no, you're no, going no, here. But the idea is that to go. Christ has the capacity for priestly ministry on a whole different sphere than those people who rose up, were sinful themselves, right. and then died. He's like, well, this one has no sin, and he lives forever. Therefore, he is able to do what the other ones couldn't do. Right. He's able to save to the uttermost. He always lives to make intercession. Right, and what you read, these, the other priests couldn't continue. They died, and so the work yeah. had to be carried on by somebody else and somebody else. So the talking point is Jesus will finish what he started. In other Amen. words, he ever lives to make... That, and when Paul comes to his conclusion in verse 25, that's what he says. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. Therefore, for what reason? Because he lives forever. Because he, nothing interrupts his priesthood. Nobody's, nobody's going to interrupt his job. Amen. He's going to finish it. Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Mm. So his whole punch with this Melchizedekian priesthood, besides providing a qualification for somebody from the tribe of Judah to serve as a priest, right. is this endless life yes. that gives us the confidence that he's going to finish the job. He can the be job. the author and the finisher. Amen. 
So this made me think of Philippians chapter 1, 6, and I have it actually in our notes from the New American Standard. Uh, why don't you read that? Yeah, it says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. Yes, and um, I found it interesting, this, this whole thrust of this lesson is the power of Christ's priesthood to perfect his people and fit us for heaven, and take us to heaven. You know, mm. this is like, it is, it's not the inefficient priesthood of old that couldn't take mm-hmm. away sins. Mm-hmm. And so, I was, as I was researching this lesson and looking at chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, leaving the elementary principles, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on unto perfection. Mm-hmm. I found this fascinating statement in Dr. Adam Clark's commentary on Hebrews 6, 1. He says, the original uh, Greek there for chapter 6 is very emphatic. It says, let us be carried on to this perfection. And then he comments, God is ever ready by the power of his spirit to carry us forward to every degree of light, life, and love necessary to prepare us for an eternal weight of glory. There can be little difficulty in attaining the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls from all sin, if God carry us forward to it. His point is, mm-hmm. there's, there, we should, should have total confidence because it's God doing the work. Mm-hmm. Now he continues, and if and this he will do if we submit to be saved in his own way and on his own terms. Many make a violent outcry against the doctrine of perfection, i.e. against the heart being cleansed from all sin in this life and filled with love to God and man because they judge it to be impossible. Is it too much to say that uh, is it too much to say of these that they know neither the scripture nor the power of God. Mm. He's saying, you know, the, the many make an outcry about the idea of perfection, the doctrine of perfection, because they can't figure out how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't figure out how God saves us. I can't figure out how he did all his miracles, <laughs> but he's God, and I trust him, yeah. right? And I yeah. believe he can. Yeah. And so his point is, those who have these fears, and, and, and this is a complicated, he says, is it too much to say that they know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? Surely the scripture promises the thing and the power of God can carry us on to the possession of it. Mercy. Christ, our high priest, will finish what he started, and he will be an effective high priest in saving to the uttermost all who come to God through him. Beautiful, incredible, and our time is up. Yes. But there's lots of great studies going to go on this week, and I want to pray that the mm, Lord will bless them. Indeed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Hebrews, and thank you most of all for the Jesus Christ that it reveals to us, our high priest. Lord, please be with every Sabbath school leader and class the coming Sabbath so that they will have this rich encounter with your word and see Jesus for who he is and what he's doing right now. We pray all of this, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.